This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. This is the Adam Gold Show. And the Powerball is still available. You know I didn't win because I'm here. Dennis, I am Adam Gold. That's Dennis Cox. I say, is that why Victoria's not here? You know, well, well no one won. Like we, we found out that nobody won, which means that in, whenever the next drawing is tomorrow, tomorrow, like, is it tomorrow or when they get around to it? Well, like last night's wasn't done until like this morning. We'll get around to that. At <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had some, uh, some, some scores coming in from the far west. Yeah, so we couldn't we couldn't put the paper to bed. Not, not all precincts have reported yet. <laughs> oh, happy election ah, day! Exactly. See? Happy election day. We have things for There's you to vote tie. on today. Uh, yes, happy election day to everybody. And I say this as honest, and I I've ne- I'm always serious about this. It is my hope that every single person in the United States who is eligible to vote, votes. Everybody. Complaining that your vote doesn't matter is a farce. Everybody's vote matters because it will be counted, contrary to some opinions. So let's get out and vote. Every, I don't care. I... People think I'm I'm lying here. I don't. I don't care who you vote for. Vote. You want to write in Winnie the Pooh. Go out and vote. Just saying. Let's get out. Let's let's see how high the turnout can be. Everybody should vote. It shout is, out Winnie the Pooh. Shout out Winnie the Pooh. And honestly, he might not be a terrible choice. Might not be. I don't know that I'd vote for Owl. No, no, no. But I think I'd vote for Winnie the Pooh. All right, we have, um, trying to think what else we have today. We have college football today. The college football playoff rankings will come out. Ah, yes. Um, Anarchy will take We are going to talk a little bit about that. We are going to talk about uh, State and Carolina. Carolina plays at Wake. State is... Like I guess they're just kind of waiting for the last game. The state has BC, right? Boston College. BC this week. BC's no good. Uh, state can't relax though, because they they are always they're going to be a work in progress for the rest of the season. Because you just never know what's around the corner with a true freshman quarterback. Uh, BC then they're at Louisville, and Louisville is just a it's a roll of the dice. What you're going to get? Sometimes Louisville is great. No, I shouldn't say great. They're not great. But sometimes they're dangerous, mm-hmm. and the other times they're dangerous to themselves. Uh, so there's there's that, and then you've got uh, the Black Friday game against UNC, which could be for a whole lot between when we when we finally do get there. Uh, Carolina more than likely will have already clinched the coastal, but that's the least of Carolina's goals at this point in the season. They are they have goals they didn't believe they were going to have. At the beginning of the year, but matter of fact, the goals that they might have are the goals that State wanted at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. So Carolina has a lot in front of them, but they must win this week 
at Wake Forest. Got a ton of things to do. We're going to kind of do a little bit of a tour of the college basketball landscape today, the local college basketball landscape. That will start in just a few minutes with our friend C.L. Brown from the News and Observer, who was at the Smith Center last night. So let's see what we can get through before we get to that. Real quick about college football, our, our poll question, if you go to uh, either my Twitter feed, at a gold fan or at the fan rookie, Dennis Cox's Twitter feed, who will have the higher college football playoff ranking at the end of the regular season? Will it be NC State or will it be North Carolina? Simple question. And I'm going to throw this in there. I don't think we have it as a poll. But assuming it is... Georgia won Ohio State 2 tonight, and I think that's a safe assumption. Georgia won Ohio State 2. Who's 3 and 4? I think Michigan will be 3. Okay. I think Tennessee will be 4, and I think TCU will be 5. But if you put TCU over Michigan, I ain't going to argue with you. TCU has beaten more good teams than Michigan has. But... Michigan was well ahead of TCU last week, and they both still didn't lose. So we'll have to see where the committee goes, but uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. P.J. Walker will be the Panthers' quarterback when they host the Falcons on Thursday night, and I think that's probably the right decision. Here's what I found yesterday when it was announced that there are people who think that this is a tank job by announcing that P.J. Walker would be the starting quarterback. Nope. Like, I could argue the other way. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the reality is there really isn't a difference between P.J. Walker, Baker Mayfield, and Sam Darnold, who has been activated. There really isn't a difference. In terms of ability, in terms of chances to win, there's no difference. There is actually something incentive-wise for the team to not start or to not start Baker Mayfield. Oh, I'm sure there's a financial interest to not start Baker Mayfield. Well, the the it actually comes from because it was a conditional fifth round pick that they sent to Cleveland. If he plays seventy percent of the snaps this season, it bumps up to a fourth. Right. So by him not playing more snaps. It stays at yeah, a fifth-round pick as opposed to a fourth. So he's he's missed three games with injury, right? Mm-hmm. So if he misses two more games, then he can play the rest of the season and not get to 70%. Ha! Eat it, Cleveland! Exactly. How many, how many times a day is that said? Not enough. <laughs> Spoken like a true Steelers fan. All right, so here's the, uh, here's the thing. Why Why would P.J. Walker not be the right choice? Uh, again, I get back to this from yesterday. It seemed like we were blaming P.J. Walker yesterday for what happened Sunday afternoon when, like, I ain't trying to tell you he was good. He obviously was not. But did he play defense? Yeah, I didn't see him give up five touchdown runs for Joe Mixon. I, I, I thought, does P.J., is he a, uh, like a defensive tackle? No, is he a is he a, a free safety? What what Slot are we doing? Corner over here. What are we doing? Leave PJ alone. I, again, I ain't even. I'm not on the PJ Walker bandwagon, but 
Their best quarterbacking of the entire season. Granted, low bar. But the best quarterbacking this entire year has been turned in by number 11. So what is the problem here? I just don't get it. All right. So that is uh, a Panthers note. The college basketball season crashed the fall sports party last night. Amid the NFL, and we had an NFL game, NHL was uh, in action last night. The NBA, did you see what the NBA did? They, they, every team was in action. At 30, they had 15 games, and they staggered the start times of all 15 games. Pretty cool. The entire night was had a staggered start. So if you were so inclined and had access to League Pass Lair, League Pass Lair, the <laughs> NBA League Pass, you know what? You should have access to the League Pass Lair. I should. Uh, shouts to uh, Brian and Brendan. We're going to talk to Brian later on about college ball. If you had access to it, you could have watched essentially the ending of every game. And that's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool deal that the NBA, uh, the NBA did. So college basketball started. NC State beat Austin P. 99-50. We'll talk more about this with Brian Geisinger later. But Taquavian Smith, 26 points, 5 assists. Jarkel Joyner, 18.8 assists. Jack Clark, 15-7. I uh, think there were some good things we saw from Jack Clark. DJ Burns had 10 points and 9 boards for the Wolfpack. There's obviously a bunch of new faces. The transfer portal was necessary for NC State. They will play Campbell on Friday. Carolina, a little bit of a struggle. We're going to talk this, talk about this more with C.L. Brown in about five minutes. Tar Heels, they were never in in danger. It was a close game early, but they were never in danger. Had about an eight to ten point lead for much most of the second half, but it it wasn't great. It was kind of choppy. They fought only had four assists. They fought the ball most of the night, but. They won, and it is just game one. Nobody's going to be that bent out of shape. Duke, 71-44 over Jacksonville. By the way, Carolina will play College of Charleston on Friday. Duke played Jacksonville. They won by 27. South Carolina Upstate is on Friday. But the real story, the John Shire opening act is in the books. Here's Shire after the game. Well, I just take a moment before going out of there. You know, what an opportunity. What a moment. You know, this is a place I've grown up in, playing, coaching, and to be here, you know, as a head coach. Like, I was I was not going to be anywhere other than this moment right now. Look, I thought Duke was pretty good. I got a chance to watch about the first half on my phone as I was watching a youth soccer practice. But uh, I thought Duke was pretty good. I didn't love it. I thought there was a little bit too much of a reliance on the three-point shot. But... That's also they the got game. a couple of young guys out too. It's also they, well, they're missing a seven footer and Derek mm-hmm. Lively and uh, Derek Whitehead. So they're, they're the two top recruits coming in uh, in the entire class. We're, we're not on the court. Yeah. Yet Duke still had a pretty good uh, squad out there. Jeremy Roach played well, shot the ball well. I mean, Duke didn't shoot it badly, but they didn't shoot it great either. But whatever. I'm not. Uh, again, uh, I shouldn't complain about anything. Uh, Central gave Virginia a what for? Mm-hmm. They had a lead into the second half, did the Eagles. Uh, but Virginia wins that 73-61. Wake beat Fairfield. Uh, they will host Georgia. I think they host Georgia on uh, Friday night. There were 13 ACC games. The only upset was Florida State, losing at home to Stetson. 
BC had a scare. They won by two over Cornell, 79-77. So that was the ACC basketball story. So we're headed to week 10 now in the NFL. Here are the current playoff matchups. By the way, the uh, Ravens beat this. The Saints are bad. They the, the Saints are bad. They're they really stink. bad. Uh, Ravens, they're not as bad as the Panthers, although the Panthers do have a win over the uh, Saints. Uh, Ravens have now won three in a row for what that's worth. And I think the Ravens are good, but I don't think the Ravens are that good. So we're headed to week 10. Here are the current playoff matchups, Dennis Cox. Okay. In the AFC, Bills get the bye so far. But that ain't that. that's not – there's bad news for the Bills. There are a lot of teams with six wins in the AFC. No, but they're, they're still the best team as long as dot, dot, dot. Story out of Buffalo right now is that Josh Allen is getting his right elbow tested for a potential – ulnar collateral ligament problem. Uh Uh-oh. That is the ulnar, the UCL, if that is damaged, that's when pitchers have Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Actually, didn't Ben Roethlisberger have that Mm -hmm. a few years ago? Right? That ain't a surgery you want if your job is to throw things. No. So, if if that happens for the Bills, I wonder how many people off the top of their head know who Buffalo's backup quarterback is. Mitch just, Trubisky. No, it's unfortunately he's not. Unfortunately for the Steelers, <laughs> Mitch Trubisky is not. Uh, so the Bills right now would have the bye. The Chargers would be at the Chiefs as the 7-2 matchup. 6-3 is Miami-Baltimore. That would be a rematch of a huge comeback from earlier in the season. Jets at Titans. That game might bore everybody to death. 5-4 matchup. Jets at Titans. Jets have a great defense. Why are you shaking your head no? Uh, well, because the Ravens lead the division. Therefore, they would be at least the four seed. The Ravens The Ravens are the three seed. Well, who'd you say? Miami, was- Miami is the six. Six at three. Miami at Baltimore. Jets and the Dolphins have the same record, but the Jets beat the Dolphins. Okay. So the Jets are ahead of the Dolphins. Jets would be the top wild card uh, if the season ended today, which, of course, it doesn't. Uh, Tennessee is the the fourth division leader. Oh, okay. At this I missed third. It's all right. I, I, I could have missed set. I mean, th- anything could happen. New England and Cincinnati are five and four. They're a half game behind the Chargers for the final wild, wild card spot. In the NFC, Eagles have the bye right now. San Francisco at seven would be at Minnesota, the two. The Giants, the six. At Seattle, the three. <laughs> I, I thought those two teams would combine for about seven wins this year. Giants at Seattle would be a matchup. Dallas at Tampa would be the five at the four. Atlanta and Washington are a half game behind the 49ers. By the way, San Francisco is just four and four. It ain't like they're running away. Uh, Panthers right now are the 16th seed in the NFC. There's only 16 teams in the NFC. That's it. Just 16. They are 31st in the NFL. Only the Houston Texans are behind them. All right, final thing. The Indianapolis Colts have a a new temporary head coach in former Tar Heels lineman Jeff Saturday. Yes, that Jeff Saturday. ESPN TV analyst Jeff Saturday. 
Shocked would be an understatement, right? Shocked would be an understatement. So, uh, yeah, we, we had the conversation, and it, it escalated quickly. I feel fully capable, excited about the opportunity. My eight games to, you know, listen, here's a great part about my career. I came in, nobody expected anything. I'm here, nobody expects anything. If it goes well, hopefully it'll go extremely well. But I have no uh, preconceived notion that I'm going to be some spectacular anything. I know i got to work hard, and, uh, I'm, you know, I'm auditioning not only for this one, but for, for 31 others just like everybody else in this game. Oh, so this is an audition to be a head coach. <laughs> oh, this is like a serious thing. All right, real, real quick, I need to hear from the, from the owner. I need to hear from Jim Ursay, who doesn't care about experience in this case. He has tons of experience. Oh, really? He knows this game inside and out um, with relationships with coaches and players. Um uh, and has been a consultant for us for several years, a paid consultant, um, you know, uh, informing Chris and I and other people in the organization, you know, his opinions. Uh, so to me, um, uh, you know, I, I know people can, you know, look out and, and, and see it uh, and, and ask that question. But, um, you know, the, you know that, that doesn't surprise me. I understand. Look at I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. But I do know how to build a football team because I've been around for 52 years. All right, I have questions, uh, not the least of which is, does Jeff Saturday taste like sausage? That's my first question. Pause. Yeah, I mean, like, why would he go to sausage? Maybe Jeff Saturday uh, tastes like sausage. All right, so there's that question. The other question is, are you really good at building a football team? I'm just curious. I just have I have thoughts in my head about how good you are at building a football team. And if Jeff Saturday was such a good consultant, and he was a paid consultant, as Jim uh, pointed out, if he was such a good consultant, why, why did you guys sign Carson Wentz? <laughs> I'm sorry, not sign. Trade for... Why did you give up assets for Carson Wentz? And then Matt Ryan, who's kind of been done for a few years now. It's just, there's just, there's no, there's no figuring this out. There's just no figuring this whole thing out. Anyway, that is, uh, I have, those are my questions about the Indianapolis Colts. We have, I have another question. Jim Mercy said something else at the press conference that we're going to get to later. But in order to really discuss it, I need somebody. I need like a math teacher. As, a, as it's election day and a lot of the public schools are closed, if not all of the public schools. I don't know how this works anymore. Um, I need a math teacher. So if you are a math teacher or a professor even, and you can help us out, 919-860-5326. Legitimately, I need a math teacher to help us out. 919-860-5326. If it's easier for you to remember 5FAN, that's fine. Uh, but there's something that Jim Ursay said that we need to figure out. All right, let's get to my friend C.L. Brown, News and Observer, at C.L. Brown Hoops on Twitter. All right, it seemed to be a struggle last night for the Tar Heels. They only turned it over nine times, but they also only had four assists. That's a very low number for them. 
Um, first game, I'm not too bent out of shape over it, but what were your thoughts after, you know, beating, what, Wilmington by 13? Yeah, that, exactly what you said. It, I don't think it's uh, – you, you need to – the alarm bells need to be going off no. right now in terms of offensively because even returning four starters, there's going to be an, an adjustment period, you know, uh, getting back into a groove and, and especially integrating – not only Pete Nance into the lineup, but uh, Hubert Davis using his bench <laughs> and there being different combinations out there um, on the floor. But I, I, what I was impressed with was defensively. Um, I, I see a lot of potential there. Uh, you know, they held Wilmington under 30% shooting, mm-hmm. um, which they only did one time all of last season to an opponent. So, um They've got a little bit more athleticism, and they can switch a lot and and can make things difficult defensively. So uh, I I would say that was encouraging. But um, obviously on Friday, people are going to be micromanaging to see (laughs) see how how quickly they can improve and and get going offensively. Yeah, look, first few games are probably not going to be too bent out of shape over anything. And honestly, I don't even think it matters if they take on a loss. Uh, we, we all know how last year should have given everybody uh, a reason to just take a chill, no matter what happens in November and December, because we saw the turnaround really over the last five weeks of last season. C.L. Brown at C.L. Brown Hoops on Twitter from the News and Observer was at the Smith Center last night. You mentioned Hubert Davis using his bench. He didn't use it a ton. They only played really basically seven guys. Um, And I assume that Puff Johnson and maybe a couple of others will be uh, part of the rotation going forward. What do you foresee in that area? Is he going to play as many as eight or nine? I, I think so. I mean, I, I definitely think Puff Johnson is going to get, you know, uh, pretty good minutes when he gets healthy enough to be back in the lineup. Um, so that's eight. I think Jalen Washington, the freshman forward, uh, will will also get some minutes, although I, I figure those might be on the lower end, um, kind of how he used uh, Tyler Nichols. And, right. and really, I mean, Dontre Styles is going to get more than three minutes a game, mm-hmm. you know, like, right. <laughs> yes, that happened last night, but I thought part of it was, especially in the second half, I mean, the offense wasn't going. And so I think Hubert wanted to kind of leave those guys out there to start it out there a little bit longer to try and get them, you know, some, some continuity just to try and allow them to to uh, work through things. Um, and then they got, got in foul trouble, so that, that kind of skewed it. But, um, you know, I, I, I do think – Last year made an impression on Hubert in terms of, of that Kansas game and them really not having enough bodies with experience and running out of gas, you know, uh, in, the, in the national championship game. So he's he's been talking about developing depth all summer. <laughs> so I, I don't see why he, he changed, you know, now that the games are counting. You need depth to get you through the season. But once you get down to the tournament, then depth goes out the, out the window, and that's really the way everybody seems to do it, and it's probably the best way to do it because the adrenaline will carry you through when we get to that point. C.L. Brown from the News and Observer is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. Uh, the chemistry that last year's team developed was real, and it's so hard to recreate that it has to develop naturally. Uh, there might be some issues just with that going forward no 
Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think to an extent, I mean, every every team takes on its own personality and, and nothing is, you know, it, you're not going to be able to duplicate what you had um, at the end of the year when you're just starting off, you know, in November. Mm-hmm. And and I thought last last night it, it almost seemed like, you know, they were being a little bit too deferential sometimes with each other, you know, um, uh, I don't think there was any kind of real pecking order. Like we want to do this on offense, you know, uh, it, now the credit UNC Wilmington for the way they play defense. I thought, you know, they ran them off of the three point line. That's, that's why Carolina only, only had uh, 10 attempts from behind the arc. But, um, but I also thought, you know, Carolina didn't really establish what they were trying to do offensively. I thought, you know, guys are just kind of, <laughs> staring with each other and, mm-hmm. and it's like okay now it's your turn to take a shot like you know there was, right. there was a, a kumbaya if you will to the <laughs> to the offense let's everybody get a little something so uh, that that will also kind of work itself out I think uh moving forward um I, I'm not I'm really not not concerned at all about how they'll perform offensively right uh, no, nor am I and honestly there are times where certain players should be a little bit selfish, and True. no, if, no. If, I'm, this is not a disparaging comment about Caleb Love. Uh, when he's feeling it, he should be. He should just let it fly because that's really what makes him Caleb Love and makes him dangerous. And in some ways, him shooting from twenty-seven feet opens it up for other players. Yeah, and, and he didn't. I mean. It, you know, I thought he was fairly efficient last night. Yeah, you know? we don't want that. Um, he didn't take a ton of <laughs> <laughs> he didn't take a ton of shots. You know, I, I thought there were a couple of times where I thought he he could have made an extra pass that he didn't um, and took a shot. But uh, but overall, you know, I mean, how can you complain about six or twelve shooting no. seventeen points? You know, so um, and still getting to the free throw line. Yeah. So uh, what I was also surprised about, though, was their rebounding. I mean, getting out-rebounded by UNC Wilmington. And, and one of the things uh, the head coach of Wilmington, uh, Takeo Siddle, said after the game was he felt like that Carolina – I forgot how he described it. They didn't box out hard, some, something mm-hmm. to that effect. And he, he felt like they could uh, – that Wilmington would be able to, to you know, uh, maybe not beat, but at least match them on the boards. And, you know, they obviously ended up uh, – ended up Thirty-seven, thirty-two, winning that battle. So um, that—that's something Carolina's going to definitely have to clean up moving forward. Yeah, that's not—that's uh, a pretty telling number, considering that Wilmington didn't shoot well. CL Brown, we'll do it again soon, my friend. I appreciate your time. Next time on video. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> I would love me. to see you. <laughs> All, All right, have a good one, Adam. Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete Taruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Financial advice industry can be overwhelming for a lot of people. Is there a way to be sure you're getting the best service when you don't know? Yeah, Adam, it's not just if you gave the money to a planning team and they did good the first year. I mean, anyone can do good for one year, but it's a track record and it's a long-term accounts that are very important. We call that a financial fill-up strategy, Adam, and that gives you lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll put together for you, the listener, your very own total retirement plan if you call right now. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. The Thursday, before the day before the concert, 
that will they will announce the two newest members of the Hurricanes Hall of Fame. Then there's the concert, Hootie and the Blowfish Friday night, the outdoor game on Saturday night, and then state hosts Carolina men's basketball on Sunday. It's a pretty good weekend. Not bad. I don't know if Connor O'Neill is going to be there. He might otherwise be busy. He's got 74 different teams to cover. Let's talk at least about one of them, maybe two of them, or three of them, or more right now. Connor O'Neill from, we're just going to say for this, for the purposes of the beginning of this, Devils Illustrated, uh, Rivals.com, joins us on the Adam Gold Show. You were at Cameron Indoor Stadium last night. Overall impressions, did John Shire do anything dumb? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> you know, of course not. I did. I did marvel at. I unless I missed it, he did not use his use it or lose it timeout in the first half. What is he um, thinking of me? He has he has a lot to learn. Yeah, and uh, I also I marveled at there was a charge called on Duke in the first half, and I figured it was the first time in what forty three years that a charge was called against Duke and Cameron and the head coach did not either A lose his mind or B subtly point out to the officials, you know, we, we get that call down here too. <laughs> so, uh, K would K would do that little point and it'd be it'd be that little reminder of, hey, you know, it it needs to be called down here. Nice. Did did John did John work the officials at all? Did he scream at the referees at all last night? I noticed him doing it a lot more in the second half. Um, and the first half, the foul differential in the first half was 5-2 at one point against Duke. And then in the second half, it started 5-0 before it started move in, in the other direction. Right. Um, before it started evening out a little bit. So <laughs> I, I think I think there was a settling in there. Um, he didn't mention that after the game. Something that we'll, we'll circle back to it. But it is noticeable against USC Upstate on Friday night. Connor O'Neill was at the game last night as Duke beat the um, ja- beat Jacksonville by a 71-44 score. Overall thoughts on what you saw from Duke? I know they're missing two of their best players, two uh, very highly rated recruits. I think the one and two ranked recruits in the country coming in. But there's still a ton of talent on the floor, and they're still led by a, a pretty veteran. They don't have too many veteran players, but – in Jeremy Roach, they've got as much of a veteran as you're going to have as many games as he started at Duke. Uh, what were your thoughts on how they looked? Uh, the defense stands out. I mean, you hold a team to 44 points. Uh, that's always going to be an easy explanation, but they really, they're so athletic. Um, they're, they're so long. The the seven-man rotation, I mean, you figure that grows to nine once Whitehead and Lively come back, and mm-hmm. the prognosis on Lively was actually more positive than I think we thought it would be. Um, John said he had a great chance of playing Friday night, uh, but Mark Mitchell, uh, the six-eight <laughs> freshman, he's kind of—it's funny, you know—he's he's like the afterthought of the freshman class because he wasn't a top-five kid with Whitehead, Lively, and mm-hmm. Kyle Filipowski, but he's you know the twenty-first ranked recruit in the country. Right. He is he is phenomenally versatile. Like he's just he's a six eight, two hundred twenty pound left handed slasher who poured it, you know, made a couple threes when he was open last night. Uh he he guards one through five. He gave up a couple blow buys, but just you know, the that'll come. Like the the 
hopefully, uh, for Duke's sake, that he stays in front of people and he makes them, you know, he gives them so much uh, versatility and gives John so much flexibility with his lineups and being able to plug him in and guard uh, twos, threes, fours, and, and fives. They have a lot of future pros. I don't know if, I mean, to be honest, I mean, they're probably all future pros somewhere uh, and at some, uh, you know, to, to varying degrees. Uh, but one of the guys who really didn't do much last night that I think you and I have talked about it, uh, Tyrese Proctor is, I mean, he's going to be this year. He's going to be an outstanding player. There really what he didn't really have too many of those moments last night. Uh, I think the moments were Mitchell and I don't even know that the moments weren't Jalen Blake's off the bench had some big moments. Yeah. I asked uh, John about Jalen. That's the last question of the press conference. And he basically said, yeah, the threes are a bonus. All they really want out of Jalen Blake's is to play defense and, kind of have a steadying hand in the backcourt when especially when Jeremy Roach isn't out there um I think Tyrese Proctor was just so nervous and worked up and that's where you attribute it Mm -hmm. to he's he's a freshman uh I thought Kyle Filipowski looked just about as nervous and worked up as uh, (laughs) Proctor did and until uh you know Jeremy came down on like a secondary break with a minute left and set up Filipowski for a wide open top of the key three that he hit and that settled him down like you you could sitting courtside you can see these things you you see kind of the emotion uh drain out of their face and they're kind of like okay you know I can do this I'm here uh and I never really got a sense of that with Tyrese Proctor and and I don't you know, I, I don't think you press the panic button on that one. I think you no. wait. And if, if it's still an issue like two weeks from now, then maybe just start worrying. Oh, I don't think we're going to push the panic button on anything. They've, uh, these guys are super, super talented, and they're used to playing. I mean, I don't know if big games is the right word, but they're they're used to having the spotlight on them because when you're at that level, every time you, you lace them up, there's somebody coming after you. So you're used to playing for something, even if it's uh, even if it's just personal pride. Um, Connor, uh-huh. Connor O'Neill joining us from uh, Deacons Illustrated and Devils Illustrated. Let me just throw it to Deacons Illustrated here and talk about the football game coming up on Saturday night, Carolina going to Wake. This is two games in a row. Obviously, this one wasn't nearly as bad as what we saw at Louisville. And I think, I, I believe that it was more State's defense than Wake's offense that was the issue. Uh, what do you make of where the Demon Deacons are so far now with their 6-3? and three? I think this is kind of a crossroads. Um, this, this program had a great season last year, and I wrote and was ready to kind of say this is it's getting to be from last year's great season to being a great program when they're 6-1 and one and they didn't really play their best against a, an ACC team in Boston College and still won by 28. Uh, I was thinking, you know, this this is going to be another double-digit win season. And then the rails have, have completely fallen off for the offense. Uh, and it's not like they've been uh, the, the sole perpetrator here. The defense has not played well in spots either. But, man, it's an offense that was averaging 41.4 points a game in the first seven games that has barely put up 21 in mm-hmm. back-to-back weeks. It's it's just it's whatever descriptor you want to throw on it, out of rhythm, in a funk, in a rut, 
they all apply. And there's not really one position group that you can look at and say, okay, they've, they've been doing their job the last two games. It's everybody else. It's, it's across the board, uh, abject failure. So, yeah, you know, you're, you're so down on it. And then you go into this game. It's like, well, Carolina's defense gives up the most yards in the ACC. They've, they've been keeping people off the scoreboard uh, better in the ACC than they did when they gave up 61 points to app. <laughs> but but uh, they've been locked down in the red zone. So this is, uh, this is kind of the swing point for me, you know, wake. This is the first of three games left and they're playing three good teams and they yeah. just played two good teams. I mean, it, it was a little more backlogged of a schedule than I think we thought going into the season just because of Syracuse and Duke being two of the surprise teams in the league. So, yeah, they're they're in the grind, and it's it's uh, this is the game that can either propel you to a strong finish or it can keep keep shoveling dirt onto what was once what once looked like a, a really special season. Yeah, they're at one point tenth in the country, and then it is. Uh, I mean, I, again, I'm I go back to the Louisville game, and it's just inexplicable what happened there. I've never seen eight turnovers in nine possessions from a good team, and to me, they yeah. they are a they are a good team. So there's still a lot, still a lot to a uh, lot to play for, and I hope it works out. Connor O'Neill, I appreciate your time at. Connor O'Neill underscore D-I. That's either Devils or Deacons Illustrated. You decide. Appreciate your time, man. We'll talk again soon. That's right. I appreciate it. And uh, why, why didn't you give David Tepper credit for bringing Hootie and the Blufffish to Raleigh? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, could, I could. Actually, uh, I, I think Carolina's owner really worked phones for that. I but think I'm, I, I'm glad. I'm glad Tom Dundon can actually get things done in that regard. <laughs> I, I, yeah, look, there are people who have problems with Tom Dundon. Did a pretty good job here. He did a pretty yeah. good job here. Uh, all right, Connor, I'll talk to you later, man. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. Peace. Have you ever seen Hootie and the Blowfish? I have not. I have not seen Hootie and the Blowfish either. It there are there are I not a fish once. You, I have never caught a fish. Really? I've never caught a fish. Look, it's been it's been a minute since I have uh put a rod in the water. So uh but I have never caught a fish. And uh not that this would be the replacement for that because it is, you know, not the same. Uh but of all the shows, all the concerts, are you all right? In <laughs> yeah, there? I'm, I'm I'm good. Are you okay good. in there? I'm I'm fine. <laughs> Dennis's head is on the table. I don't want. We don't want that. So, <laughs> I mean, I was just being honest. So, of all the concerts I have been to, there is only one that I regret having never seen, and this is it. I mean, I've seen everybody else I have wanted to see that I could have seen. Mm-hmm. And I've seen Prince. I've seen Elton John. Um, I've seen Tony Bennett twice. Okay. Never got a chance to see Sinatra when I was a fan because Sinatra had already passed. Uh, but I've seen all. I mean, I didn't see the Beatles, but I mean, the Beatles were mostly gone by the time. And Paul McCartney can't sing anymore. 
So don't talk to me. Oh, he can sing fine. No, he can't. He can't. He hasn't been able to sing for 10 years. That's Sir Paul McCartney. It is Sir Paul McCartney, who is brilliant and one of the all-timers, but can't sing anymore. But Hootie and the Blowfish is the only act that I, I haven't seen that I really wanted to see. So the Friday before the stadium game. Very excited for that. All right. From the No Crap the Magazine. Do we have we have any like music or a sound effect for a No Crap the Magazine exclusive? Hmm. I can find something. Yeah, if you find something. So again, a lot of the kids will say no blank Dick Tracy. Um Sepp Blatter, who is the man who used to run FIFA, has just said that awarding this World Cup to Qatar. Was a mistake. It might be <laughs> You're kidding, Sep. It was a mistake no. to award the world's number one sporting event to a country notorious for human rights abuses? What they've done to migrant workers, who, by the way, make up a majority of the population, I believe, in their country. Mm-hmm. There's not enough hotel rooms in Qatar. Do you know that? No. I actually are, did not know there that. There are not enough hotel rooms for all of the people expected to visit. So you know what they're doing? They're giving people tents. Oh. I'm not making that up. I have a tent. Well, you could go over to Qatar and hand it out. Oh, nice. They are giving people tents. They're going to have big tent communities. What is this, the Quidditch World Cup? No, that'd be cool. For people who have seen Goblet of Fire, you would understand what I'm talking about there. Like, you've got to be joking. Qatar is also paying certain groups of fans. They're they're actually picking up their hotel tab and their airfare in exchange for positive social media reaction Ah, to how how they're performing hosting the World Cup. There it is. All right. And then there's this matter. Remember, this is about Sepp Blatter saying it was a mistake to award the World Cup to Qatar. You know when the World Cup normally is held, right? Summer. July. Mm-hmm. Average daily high temperature in Qatar in July, 108. Oh. Average. Heaven forbid it's like 115. All right. Yeah, but have they ever felt the humidity of North Carolina? <laughs> Do they get three o'clock thunderstorms? It's a dry heat. I understand. So the World Cup, because of the heat in Qatar in July, has to be held essentially this month. The end of this month into no, into December, like for five weeks. I think it's about a five-week event. Um, it's basically, it starts in three weeks. Less than three weeks Yeah, less now. than three weeks. So I think the 20th of November is the first are the first matches. And it goes through the middle to late December. So the average, I mean, it should be beautiful weather. It's going to be like in the low 80s for uh, Qatar. That's great. But all of the major European leagues have to shut down mm-hmm. to play. And the problem is that so many players are injured. Korea's best player. Uh, uh, Young Min Son, it's hurt. It's not going to be able to play. Plays for Tottenham, right? He's, yes, right. Um, there there are tons of players who are hurt and can't play. Not to mention the players who are going to get hurt 
at the World Cup and then can't play for their club teams. See, in July, when the only real uh, competition for players is Major League Soccer, not a ton of those players are playing for their national teams. I'm not saying there aren't. There are plenty, but they're just it's not a ton. It's not like if you look at the Premier League, you look at La Liga, you look at Serie A, Bundesliga. I mean, those leagues are chock full of World Cup players. But yes, Sepp Blatter, you made the decision to give the World Cup to Qatar, and now you say it was a mistake. What a dope. What a dope. I can't wait for it, by the way. I am fired up for the World Cup. I love it. There was a poll question today somewhere, uh, which which uh, nation has the best uniforms? I think the answer is none of them. Yeah. yeah they're boring to me. Argentina's always nice. And I actually Brazil's like, are kind of cool. Brazil's are cool, but there's nothing different about it. And I like Croatia's. But other than that, nah, none of them. Zero are nice. This is the Adam Gold Show.